Welcome to this week's episode of the 1ADC podcast. This episode you are currently listening to is the first in the series we are doing to converse and learn more from women in leadership positions, and it will be a short series for the weeks to come. If you don't know who 180 is, we are the world's largest student-run consultancy for non-profits and social enterprises. This episode is brought to you by the 180 Degrees Consulting Branch from the University of Melbourne. And as per usual, always feel free to have a listen to our prologue for a better understanding of what this podcast aims to achieve, or visit our socials. There are timestamps below for if you want to browse into areas of episode you wish to listen to, as well as the socials for this week's guests, so you can check out their profile whilst listening. Enough from me for now, let's get into this week's episode. Hey guys, welcome to our first instalment of a series we wanted to do for Women in Leadership. I am super excited to be shooting this episode with the wonderful Naomi Alexander, who is a lead customer success manager at LinkedIn. Yes, that's right guys, I'm LinkedIn, the platform I think every student is familiar with because we're on there every month, every week, or perhaps even every day connecting with colleagues, recruiters, or if you're enthusiastic, then connecting with CEOs. Of course, Naomi's experiences extend past her years at LinkedIn, so we'll get the opportunity to learn more about that later on in this episode. But without further ado, Naomi, welcome to the 1ADC podcast. Hi, Kevin. Thank you so much for having me. No stress. Um, I'm super stoked to have you on this week. I think your journey in and out of consulting is one I wanted to explore more about, and I'm sure we'll get to dive deep into that journey itself. I know it's always hard to provide an introduction when you're cramming years of experience into a brief summary, but Naomi, it would be very much appreciated if you can give us an introduction into who you are and what you do. Yeah, for sure, Kevin. Uh, so Naomi Alexander, based in Melbourne, uh, beautiful Melbourne uh, here, and really, uh, how can I describe what I do at the moment? It's largely I help our customers uh, at LinkedIn derive ongoing value from the solutions that they invest in with us. And yeah, I've been doing that for about eight plus years in, in the company. And yeah, prior to that, spent my years and my, my experience around the people management space, consulting, as you say, and also just dabbled in a few other areas to, to get me to where I am today. But um, you know, all of those experiences, yeah, taking me from a degree in commerce back at Melbourne Uni, uh, where, you know, love my time on campus and have such fond memories of, yeah, the experience as an undergrad student, for sure. <laughs> wow. Um, that was a great introduction itself. I'm very thorough. Uh, I think when we dawn upon your experiences, it really does reflect the journey in the HR and people advisory world of consulting, which I think, to me, is not that rare, but I think it's also not that common in the industry and where, in terms of where students land after graduation. I think to me, it stands in the middle because HR isn't really a field one falls into, uh, nor is consulting, right? I think one of the first things I, said, I guess I wanted to ask you is when you commenced your time as a HR associate, like many, many moons ago, um, did you ever think working with people was something you wanted to continue doing for the years to come? Or not only did you have a depiction that you would have perhaps pivoted into another industry or more customer and client facing role by now? Yeah, um, it's an interesting one, Kevin. I uh, I do remember quite vividly when I was at uni that I really wanted to spend uh, as much time as possible in a people-facing uh, role. And it was an interesting experience, the HR Services Associate. This is what I call a foundational uh, learning kind of chapter in my in my time. So I had done 
uh, a cooperative year. So uh, very similar to what I think a lot of students call today industry-based learning. So I'd done one of those uh, prior and I'd gotten this, you know, on the job learning in complement to my studies. And that really gave me this hunger and thirst for, you know, getting out there and being at the, at the face of it all. And then when I jumped into this HR services role, it was really what we would call like the engine room of HR and working at a company like um, the one that I was, it was very established. And what ended up happening was I was seeing all the nuts and bolts of what it took to make a company that large uh, operate. But what I was missing was the people interaction because it is very much a back of house role. And so um, I, I think for me, my personality it was something that it had a lifespan. Um, but certainly the value of what that brought and, and understanding and appreciating that, as I say, the nuts and bolts of an engine room of what goes on, um, I've, I've kept with me today. So I think that experience, as you say, did I always think I was going to be people first? Yeah, because through that experience, I realised how much I needed to have that people interaction. And uh, I wasn't one to just sit behind a computer and, and not interact with people. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, that sounds super fun in itself. And being able to dissect your experiences really defines how diverse HR is, right? Like you've Basically, you got your recruiting and onboarding, which is, I think, like the main concept. I feel everyone always relates to HR. Uh, I, I do personally think that they are on the same lines with one another, but I think your experiences in HR do span beyond that. Like you got learning and development, uh, organizational culture transformation, uh, HR technology and information systems, capability frameworks, and like a bunch of other different concepts and areas that do fall under human resources. But Naomi, what's the interesting thing about it is that when you entered into the world of consulting, your title had a unique spin on it, like the title of HR consultant. Uh, it was actually referred to the term as people advisory consultant, which is strange in itself. Um, so from your time and knowledge in professional services going through your years of people advisory consulting, can you explain the problems a people advisory consultant would be tasked to solve or perhaps the projects they might get to work on and how those similarities have translated to what you're doing right now at LinkedIn. Yeah, for sure, Kevin. And I think, you know, again, to your point earlier around people don't always think, you know, their career in consulting is something they'll pursue. It may just happen. And during my time as, um, as you say, people advisor at the time and in that consulting role, we had a, a mixed bag. We had people who were career consultants and we had people who were, um, you know, from the field for their specialisation, whether they were digital uh, experts or people experts um, through HR or, or the like. And I think um, both both bring a, a different experience, as you'd imagine, and, and a different uh, expertise. And I think the types of problems that you, you tackle and the kinds of challenges that you tackle in that role, you, I personally believe you need to have a blend of, you know, in the in the ground sort of experience um, to be able to be taken seriously. I feel um, as a consultant, it's all well and good to talk theoretically and talk, you know, really big picture and visionary without seeing some of that on the ground, what it means for an organisation. So that's my own personal take. And that's um, where I loved and I got the most energy from when we were able to work on site with clients, um, when we were able to, you know, really have those conversations about transformation and change management, uh, conversations about, you know, what will it take to really enable businesses to have sustainable performance? 
you know, because the, I think the role of a consultant, this is something I was taught um, by some of the best when I was in the role, is that the sign of a good consultant is that when you leave, the, the change is sustained and the, the things that you've done are able to be affected by the teams that you leave rather than them needing to always engage consultants to come in and, and help them, you know. So I think that's something I've always taken in and I, I, I think it is the, the hallmark of a, a good um, consulting engagement, right, that you don't need to <laughs> keep them there. But obviously that's there's lots of reasons why people call consulting in and, yeah, that's probably another topic for another day, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see how those um, skills I've learnt have translated to what you're doing at LinkedIn right now and it's also quite an interesting take that you have there on HR and people strategy and I loved how you managed to talk about the work as if it was only like yesterday that you had pivoted away from consulting itself Uh, but it's also great because although you may have only worked in the span of three different companies in your experiences or your professional journey itself it's really comparable to someone who has worked in a multitude of different companies because you've worked in a lot of different teams, Naomi. You've worked in a lot of different roles. You've also worn a lot of different hats as well. And one of the things I wanted to pinpoint about, one of the interesting hats you actually wore was when you were in the graduate recruitment domain in professional services, um, piloting the intern intake, the vacation programs, the cadetships, and the graduate recruitment drives. And so I think a lot of students aim to get onto the good side of the recruiter. And so, Naomi, having worked on the recruiter side of things um, what can you share about the screening process from your time as a campus recruiter that you think would be useful advice for uh, our listeners at home and also from your time at LinkedIn as well uh, especially for people who may have recently applied for graduate programs or have recently applied for internships yeah sadly I think Kevin um, the one thing that's constant is competition I, I think you know a big thing and I and I emphasize with with students today because I know it's really competitive it, it continues to be as competitive as it was before for, for the roles that you really want and I think that um, you know I, I know all too well that nerves in any situation when they get in the way they they color your best performance so again my only tip is there that graduate recruiters or any of the hiring managers are human, just like you are, and they totally understand what you're going through. So as best as you can, it's easy to say, it only comes with time, but you know, do try and put those nerves aside so you can really show your best self um, and have a conversation. Because equally, I think what has changed when I, I think about my time back at uh, my, my role in graduate recruitment and thinking about, um, you know, what was, what was really key there, it's a two-way decision, right? You're as a potential applicant, you're trying to make a decision if that company is for you in the same way that company is trying to make a decision if you're a right, you know, culture ad for them. So I think it is always about, um, you know, maybe that helps you with the nerves too, thinking it's a two-way process. And the more that you learn through the application process, it should give you a signal of the kind of culture, the kind of processes and what you could expect. It's like meant to be realistic of what you can see once you join. So I think take those cues. If it feels right through the process, it's probably a good uh, a good sign that you're in the right place. And if it's feeling like, yeah, even the process itself isn't something that gels with you, I think a lot of, whilst it's competitive, I think a lot of talent today has a lot of choice. So, you know, go with what you feel in your gut uh, is, is the right one for you. Exactly, exactly. Uh, being able to listen to you share about those tips that one might need, especially through the mindset of applying for graduate programs, applying for internships. Like being nervous, I think is like, a, it's a commonality. Yeah, one can always have to feel nervous 
before like an application itself. And of course, something else that you mentioned is how like the application stage is like really forever changing, right? Um, like for example, we didn't have many video interview stages back in the day, or back when you were a graduate recruiter, maybe. Yeah, but you like you self-record yourself answering questions on the screen. Nor were there all these perhaps additional stages to assess candidates, like psychometric testing, for example. Uh, there's over time these um, introductions of more relevant interviewing mechanisms to fully assess a candidate's fit and really understand the competition itself. Um, so we've talked about HR and people advisory consulting. We've talked about recruitment consulting. In fact, Naomi, you were in a recruitment product consulting role when you first started your journey at LinkedIn as well. Which is, I've never heard of that before. Yeah. <laughs> so after, yeah, after so many different hats in consulting, I uh, wanted to kind of understand how your roles and years of experience have led to Naomi, your personal definition of consulting. And so... Now, how would you explain or how would you give a broad explanation if a student or an individual who works in a completely different industry, um, when you use private equity, for example, someone who worked in private equity came up to you and asked you something on the lines of, Naomi, can you describe your personal concept of consulting to me? So I think, yeah, my definition and experience would be something along the lines of, you know, a good, a good consulting uh, definition, something around being able to uh, hear and really listen to uh, what is being shared by uh, an individual organisation, really seek to understand their problems and requirements and provide a structured and, I think, um, really well-thought-out approach that has a framework to some degree to help them with that structure um, in being able to understand where to from here to sort of navigate a problem or to, to work through a transformation. So at its core, it is about listening and seeking to understand fully what those issues are. Um, but I think, yeah, at the end of the day, if something like that sounds interesting to you and you think that that's, you know, something you'd, you'd get energy from, uh, then, yeah, I think consulting is in all the roles that I have had. As you say, different titles, they mean what they mean, but... The essence is being able to listen, translate, and help execute. Mm -hmm. Wow. That really does demonstrate the in-depthness of your answer because to me as a student, it demonstrates your understanding of consulting and how well-versed the field is. You experience so much consulting that it really falls back onto why I wanted to kind of pick your brain and have you come on as a guest for the 180DC podcast to really just share your definition of consulting and how consulting has changed you both professionally, Naomi, and also personally as well. So we've had a chance to dive into your time in um, as a HR associate, your experiences in professional services, and of course, a little into what you do at LinkedIn as well. And so over the courses of years, having been in the corporate workforce, you've held, like I mentioned, a lot of leadership roles. You've had a lot of female mentors and role models who've helped with your professional development. But it's always been other ways as well, right? Um, where you've been a role model and mentor to young female leaders. And I'm super grateful right now to have you on the podcast to share with not only the young female leaders of this generation, but also really every young individual out there trying to pilot their career. And so I think I wanted to ask you kind of a two-part question in regards to this topic. Now, I mean, as a female leader, what do you think has been the most significant barrier in your career? And Perhaps, what advice would you like to share with the young women out there entering into perhaps a more male-dominated profession? Thanks, Kevin. I think it's a the one thing that really comes to mind, and I, I know maybe it's more female-generated, maybe it's personality-generated, but I think it's uh, 
self-confidence and really being able to back yourself all the time. And I know that we all go through ebbs and flows of our own confidence. And I think uh, that's been something that I personally, you know, have had moments where I don't back myself and I look around and I think, oh, how can I get that confidence? And um, there's different ways that I've been able to do that, as you say, with my own um, approaches of having, uh, you know, coaches and mentors and people that just remind you that, you, you do have something of worth and value and sometimes you just need that pep talk, right, to remember that I can do it and, and I think that's normal and human. Um, so I think, yeah, it's just about surrounding yourself with people that believe in you and, and give you that positive energy um, and help you with constructive ways to continue to, you know, be confident um, and humble. At the same time, I think it's, you know, it's a, as I said, it's probably a personality thing, but most women I think would be too humble is probably the, the problem um, and how do you stay um, you know really clear and how you yeah you, you project your your uh, your self-belief and your self-confidence yes some really great advice for our female demographic out there I think one thing I really wanted to note was that nothing should really ever be a barrier to one entering the workforce and I think Naomi would completely agree with that and I see from your experiences, Naomi, coaching and mentoring colleagues worldwide on the topic of a customer success, it really does fall back onto your will to be a great leader, your will to be a great mentor, but also your will to give back as well. But given that's the case, I think, uh, and given also the time as well, I really wanted to swing for the final question, uh, I guess I wanted to pose to you today. And it's really in line on how we tend to end episodes here on the 180DC podcast, a more off-topic question that relates to you, Naomi, but not really related to specifically the day-to-day responsibilities of your job. And so what I wanted to do with this final question was I wanted to link this back actually to a post I saw you made in the last year or so on the concept of CVs and resumes. And so you had mentioned that LinkedIn's long-term vision is to get rid of the CV because you guys think that's what holds a lot of people back. The focus should be on skills you've learned and the potential to learn new skills based on your aptitude. And I think you use job seekers and return soldiers on the same comparative basis when you were formulating this analogy, which I think is a great example in itself because soldiers, they, they don't have this developed resume and so they approach the application process with the same mentality as a person who's new to the workforce does, which is, what can I bring to the company with no experience? And so, Naomi, I'll open the space up for you. Can you voice your thought process behind why you believe in a future where resumes will no longer be needed for applications and how this is very, very related to the fact that another document in the application process, the cover letter, is becoming redundant in modern-day applications? Yeah, really topical. And part of the reason why I, I really was appealed uh, to join LinkedIn in the first place because I, we're a very purpose-driven organisation where I am at the moment, and it's about I think bringing it to a level playing field for every member of the um, you know the working workforce to, to be able to have a you know an opportunity that and find their dream job and and sometimes uh, all these processes that once perhaps were relevant uh, are no longer relevant and, and it's about staying you know true to what's real and needed in the times and I think when I joined LinkedIn we talked about this idea of being a disruptive platform because it was really disruptive to think that, oh, you don't need a CV and you could use this professional profile as, as a system of record. And I think it's been great to see how, you know, people are voting with their feet. I think recruiters also have um, so many challenges uh, to deal with and they're time poor. 
Um, they want to get to know people. They want to spend their time on value-added activities. And when you know customers that we speak to and work with, they don't want to make that process for candidates, uh, you know, to be one that isn't uh, an amazing experience. So I think they're always looking for ways to enhance the candidate experience. And just like every other interaction and tool and system in our daily lives, it has to. Um, you know, change uh, with the time. So, you know, maybe Kevin, in, in our lifetime, we might see that, uh, that need for CVs reflecting in a way that's relevant for a digital workforce and a workforce that um, has to present their uh, experiences in a more visual way as well. And so that's what I love about, you know, LinkedIn's profiles, the people who've got um, you know, artistic abilities or previous presentations um, or any sort of capability, you can show that, right? And it's um, it's just a better way for a hiring manager or recruiter to see what you can do. And similarly, I think cover letters, again, in, in the digital age where, you know, podcasts, they're short and sharp. I, I don't think people have the time to read, read lots of things, but equally, how do you get your personality across and how do you stand out? And I think that's, you know, the entry of you know, video introductions and things like that, which, you know, again, who knows where where that will go. It's pretty exciting times and, uh, you know, I for one think it's, it's yeah, it's what people want. <laughs> well, I can see why you enjoy your time at LinkedIn so much, but I can also honestly say I completely agree with this concept as well. I think that's why a lot of different companies, they send out that psychometric test stage immediately after a candidate applies, right, to further evaluate skills beyond that piece of paper, the resume, the CV, or the cover letter. Like you mentioned, experience is one thing, but your ability to articulate your problem-solving skills, um, formulate solutions to a task or a problem, is really another core essential skill itself. But, wow, I, I think that was a really fun question to end the podcast on, like really being able to theorize what the future of the job hunting world will look like. And so thank you again, Naomi, for hopping onto this podcast and being our first guest in the Women in Leadership series. I've learned a lot and it really makes me satisfied knowing you have shared your insights that will hopefully empower our female audience or our whole audience in itself to really branch out, explore the possible pathways beyond their selected degree and chosen majors, and maybe even one day pivot our consulting and work with you, Naomi, at LinkedIn. Well, it's been great uh, joining you today, Kevin. Thanks for the opportunity. And yeah, to all the listeners, all the best with uh, your, your career search.